Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. My name is Keith. I'm Tommy. And we are here once again. This is episode three. Join us on a wonderful, magical journey. And we have a very special guest today, someone I've looked up to musically probably since I was like 16, since I discovered his band through friends, friends of mine in this day forward credit this band for them becoming a band and starting to play from their mutual admiration of this band. Uh, A good friend, a good comrade, a fellow musician who I've played with, Pat Shannon from All Else Failed. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for that uh, effusive intro. That was, uh, (laughs) I feel, uh, already... um, We could just wrap it here. All right. right. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Check us out. No. All right. Um, So thanks again for being here. That's right, man. We're here in uh, Center City, Philadelphia. Uh, We are recording the first batch of these shows, and I have a gigantic hotel room that I managed to finagle, and and it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's always... It's always good to be back here. It's wild, dude. It's yeah. Always, it, it, I, when you first opened the doors here, I was like, this is one room. It's unbelievable. It's it huge. is a beautiful view. I will say that for yeah. sure. Oh, we've got views for days. We've got like four separate rooms. Like it's, it's you know. But you, you've already heard about the room, so let's move right into it. Pat, one thing we like to ask all of our guests is your intro to hardcore. Now, for me... For Tommy, like it was always, it's a defining moment because I remember the first show and just how it shaped my life and all that stuff. So, tell us about your intro to the scene. Wow, um, I could go like super deep dive with this and get really long winded. Please um, do. So the first thing I remember, well, just I mean, I was always just a music head just from the time I was born. My mom was listening to like classical music albums, and I was just so super into that stuff and. Uh, just even as a kid, like I never thought it was weird. I just loved opera and just like, it was just cool. I don't know. That's what my mom's into. I'm into it. They weren't really like rockers or anything. They were more into that stuff. And then like popular music and rock and roll and classic rock or whatever, like came from my cousins. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember being at my cousins in Upper Darby and my older cousin Dennis had like a basement tape. And I guess he was, I guess maybe six years older than me. So I was maybe like, eight or nine at the time and he was just getting into high school and uh they had like a basement tape of i think it was like the dead milkman playing like a philly show but it was like a tape of like somebody went to a show and just made a tape and we're listening to it on the boombox so like from day one the notion of like oh i can just do a band and i can just make a tape like it was never like this big thing like obviously there's like rock star like oh i want to be like iron maiden but it was always in my head that like i can just do a band whenever you know what i mean it's not like this big unattainable thing so that was like the very very first like inkling of of the underground world like i always just sort of knew the underground was there because like i I heard tapes of it you know what i mean so yeah even before hardcore like the alternative boom yeah that was like you know and then i was like oh i want to play guitar and i can learn and i want to be in a band like how old heads describe seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Mm-hmm. I think it was the same for us and like Nirvana Definitely. and, and all those bands and all yeah. that stuff right in that era. But so then, right. So, you know, fast forward a few years from, from that experience to, to exactly what you're talking about. Like, you know, just 
uh, my older brother, God bless him, he wasn't like super in tune with like culture and, and, and music and such. You know, we, we liked the, a lot of the same stuff, but he wasn't like obsessive about it. So we would just watch MTV. We would just watch. And every night I remember as kids, it was like Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night was Yo! MTV Raps. Headbangers Ball and 120 Minutes. Mm. And wow. like I like took in all three of them with equal like fervor. Like I loved each one of them equally and like that was very passionate about all forms of music. So it was just I was always coming at it from like a sort of like rounded place, but that wasn't always necessarily the thing, you know what I mean? Like that wasn't you know, nowadays you're just like, What are you talking about? Everybody listens to everything all the time. But right. it wasn't yeah. yeah, it was a little more you know, wasn't how it always was back then. But more to the point was then when we got to, to Bonner, I met Luke and Luke's older brother. And that was the way more direct influence was Luke's older brother who introduced us to like Fugazi. Mm. And that was about it. Like Fugazi, from Fugazi, it was just over, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, speaking of which, I went to see Ian's new band the other night. In, How was that? It was really interesting, man. It was cool. They were just, they did this weird tour of like, like Fredericksburg, Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, it was like off-market places, which I love. So weird. I love. They played at a bookstore, and there was like it was appropriately crowded. It wasn't insanely crowded. It was like 120, 150 people maybe, and it was cool. I mean, uh, you know, to be in the same room with like that iconic voice, just like when he opened his mouth, I was like, holy shit! There it is. Because I had only seen Fugazi once in my life, so to see it, you know, to be in close quarters with it was definitely like a fanboy moment. But so. Luke's older brother, Billy, really put us on to all that stuff. And, you know, I was coming into high school just on a mission to be like, I'm, I'm going to do music. I, like, that's mm-hmm. going to be my thing. I'm just going to do it. You know, meeting the Muir brothers, Luke and Billy. Because so Luke's brother, older brother, was in the same grade as my older brother. So they knew each other. And I knew Luke. So it was kind of like we, we just like, you know, we didn't really hang out much. But we like in school, we knew each other. So um, like there was no like awkwardness to talk to Billy Muir. Or whatever, you know what I mean? Because he was talking to my brother or whatever. Right. So, um, and I just like pinned like on Luke. I just saw Luke. I was like, you're going to be my singer, man. You're, 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 you're my dude. Like, and he was in, he was way more into um, like, they were making movies a lot. They were doing like pre jackass kind of stuff, I guess, but like a little more scripted out, but just like stupid little shorts, like on yeah. a VHS, you know, again, shit kids can do on their phone nowadays all day every day but back then it took like effort to yeah. actually get you had to know have, someone with the equipment, with the equipment like, and you yeah. had to get like four guys to show up and do yeah. your little whatever so they were really into that and luke was just super into like acting and wanted to be in movies so we'd like join the play together and stuff like oh, that we, wow. were, we were in school plays together and uh which was cool because you know unknowingly to us that's where all like the alternate rockers were and all the the uh, girls in Doc Martens and stuff were <laughs> uh, so that's it was, where you want to be. It was a hundred percent. We more so than we even knew. It was where we really wanted to be. Um, so Luke did take a little convincing because I don't sing. I was like, well, we're gonna do like heavy music, man. Like you don't really need to sing, you know. Just like go for it. Like you want to act. That's all about going for it. So like just go for it, yeah. you know. And um, so he and I like pretty early on ended up teaming up with. Uh, a skater kid in our class that just we knew we were like you know high school it's like oh you're into what i'm into you're into what i'm into you're into like it's pretty obvious who who your people are yeah. if yep. you're people like us and um we teamed up with with him his name was chris he was a fantastic bass player and and we just went and that was like so like some of my first experiences in hardcore were me doing it you know what i mean like i think uh, luke's older brother took me to see uh rollins and coc at the truck which again like that just it just 
you know, totally blurred the any like quote unquote rock star mentality. It's like, no, man, this is just this is a punk show, but this dude's on MTV too. It's like this is happening. You know what I mean? This is this is what's going on. So. Yeah, my first experiences with hardcore spoiled me forever. Like I won't like Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. is touring. I'm like, I'm not gonna go. First of all, I don't have four hundred dollars. Oh, I did buy tickets. I did. <laughs> I did. But I could second, run the jewels. I had to see run the jewels. I but second to. of all, I can't just sit there. Well, Rage it's Against true. the Machine it's is true. playing. Like, Very what, true. I'm going to sit in a seat and go like this? Yeah, what, no, While right. Sleep Now in the Fire plays? Right. No, I need to, like, jump on somebody's head. No, you're 100% and, and, right. And the hardcore is, like, one of the only musics that, like, encourages crowd participation. Yeah. yeah I'm sure. spoiled by that. Yeah. I love that. Like, I need that. It was, um, yeah, it took a lot to go on StubHub and drop, like, three... I almost did it. I did it. I almost did it, but I I, I backed out. We're uh, we're actually going to the DC show, which is during midweek, so we're making a vacay out of it. I was like, well, you wouldn't not pay three hundred dollars for a vacation, right? (laughs) That's a good. That's a good. Yeah. Yeah, So that's that's how I justified it to myself. It is always funny when you show like uh, like every year when I come back from this is hardcore and I come where I come from shows, especially like one of your guys shows. Like I'll show people I work with. Mm -hmm. I work in a middle school, so like I show people like what I did, and they're like. What the fuck are you guys need? <laughs> well, it's it's funny, Luke. Uh, you know, Luke. I guess we can probably talk about his profession. He's in law enforcement in in California. His his title has changed a handful of times. I'm, I'm not truthfully 100 percent sure what his current role is. Mm. Uh, but in his work life, people, you know, <laughs> he has yeah. Hard ass superiors who are like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> it's like, "Muir, what were you doing?" This? But uh, and he laughs about it. But like, they give him a hard time. But by the same token, I think a lot of people see and they'll say to like, "This is hardcore." Like, "Oh shit, there was like several thousand people there." It's like, "Yeah, yeah. man, we like we did this. We yeah. do this." You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, um, you know, it wasn't to the level. And we we talk about that a lot. Even on the last tour we did, it's like, yeah, it never got to the, like maybe that next level or the next level beyond that. But like. We did it on a level we're all comfortable with, and we can still get really good opportunities to do things like the the Boy Sets Fire tour that they just took us to Europe, and it was just first time we'd been there, and just blew our minds. So, you right, know, it's cool that things worked out that we're still able to do it. You know, and it's you know I wouldn't trade it. It's still like happening. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's still, still happening, yeah. and it's weird. We, we were one of those bands that <clears throat> maybe we were always doomed to be posthumously more popular than we yeah. were when it was going, mm-hmm. but. It really did happen for us, and all of that was like Joe Hardcore and Sonny Singh from Hate Five Six. You know, Joe Hardcore put us on. This is Hardcore, I believe, it was 2011 was the first one. Yep. And Sonny had just really started going like full, full board, on yeah. into filming everything. I think that's when he <clears throat> discovered you guys. Yeah, I, I remember I him posting was, that recently. I think that was the set that he he discovered us, and just from then on, he's been just a huge, huge supporter. So Joe and Sonny combined gave us this whole second second win for sure. So going back to the beginning, you said you were playing with Luke and this other guy. Other guy, Chris. 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 Was it just the three of you? So uh, we had a few different drummers. Our buddy Dave, uh, who is still a good friend. I, you know, we don't hang out too much anymore, but I saw him. I actually went to see Macedon and Primus with him last year. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, I see him maybe once a year. He was the drummer at first, and then uh, we got a guy named Barry, who, who was just a really cool guy. And then the lineup sort of fluctuated back and forth, and then Chris went to went to college in Scranton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, us being from Upper Darby and, and Luke and I started going to school in Westchester, we were like, well, I guess that's the end of the band. It didn't really seem practical to, to try to do it, you know, on any sort of bi-coastal level. But then Luke and I went up to, or bi-coastal, you know. Yeah, just, I say bi-coastal. It's, we're doing the band bi-coastally now. now. Yeah, yeah we, we couldn't overcome 100 miles back in the day. Now <laughs> yeah. we're doing, yeah. Forget about um, it. Yeah, right. 
but Luke and I went up to visit Chris and we went to a show. So Chris ended up hanging out with guys in Scranton uh, in a band called Option that was like a really popular Northeast Pennsylvania band. And somebody in Option used to be in VOD. He was like, I think VOD for a long time didn't have a bass player because that guy left and, and joined Option when he went to school in Scranton. And uh, so VOD would come and play in Scranton like constantly. This guy was still buddies with him and they would. So we went up to see VOD. I think it was. Uh, just Luke and I and hang out with Chris and like we sort of caught the vibes we're like oh man we should have kept going that's, that's we can do it like what the hell uh, we spoke to our drummer Barry he didn't want to do it anymore so uh, that's when we found Paul ah, uh, yes and uh, totally random we were just in at Westchester and, and just mentioned to somebody offhand that, that like we were looking for a drummer and, and uh, my friend Barb it's like I know this guy named Paul I went to high school with and just like back in the day just Give me his number. There's no Facebook number. You just call. Yeah. yeah, cold call, man. Just, <laughs> that's how I got all my sales experience. It was just cold calling. Kids Will you be in the band? Out. Yeah, exactly. We need someone. So, um, was that what? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it hate to say it? That was before hate to say. all else failed. That was yeah. hate to say it. Yeah. Yes. So the the initial version of the band <laughs> uh, that Luke and I started back way back when it was in Bonner when, in high school, it was called Arguing with Echoes. Which, <laughs> That sounds very deep. Well, we it was so embarrassing for so long. And then, like, five years ago, I was like, yeah, that's, like, the illest thing I ever came up with. <laughs> it's like, like, now that, like, Prague is cool again, I was yeah. like, yeah, that's ill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I was listening to, uh, like, Rush and stuff like that. So that's where that came from. But, uh, obviously, that wasn't a very practical name. So I think we had a demo tape out. But then we changed the name to Hate to Say It. We did a CD, which, again, at the time was showing – major ambition like cd wasn't easy to do at the time so but we self-released it i think we borrowed like a grand off my older brother and uh we put uh like eight song cd like half of it was cool half of it was whack mm-hmm. then we broke up then we decided to get back together barry didn't want to do it we recruited paul and we put out the hate to say it tape okay which was light years better than the cd and was really a precursor to allsfield that's like when we were writing what would become allsfield music stylistically how was it was it different? Was um, it, or was it like... It, it was way more straightforward. Uh, there weren't that many time signature changes or anything, but it was still very much of... You know, if you heard it, you might be like, oh, that's kind of like Allsfeld. Like, that's not... Like, yeah, you, it's you not know. light years away. Like, yeah, it's not it, night. Like, night, Allsfeld yeah. was definitely... We got more into, like, like abrasive, noisy, off-timey kind of stuff. We introduced two singers. It was like... The difference was like I, I could pinpoint the difference. The difference was neurosis. In between the two, we, we discovered neurosis, <laughs> yeah. and so I remember well, you saying they were a major influence. Yeah, huge, yeah. huge, huge influence. So hate to say it was like take the neurosis influence out of Allsfield because we mm-hmm. hadn't heard them yet. So hate to say it was was way more straightforward, but it was a lot of fun. Really, really good stuff, and that broke up somewhat acrimoniously. Um, it was just weird. We just ended up uh, Luke and I ended up just having a sort of falling. I guess there was probably some like of that. 18, 19 year old jealousy of Chris was up in Scranton. He joined Option by this point and was oh. doing that. Band. Mm. And not that we didn't really necessarily care about that, but we were like, man, we can barely do what we're doing yeah. anyway. And now you're in another band. And then we had a show booked with Autumn up at CC's, I think. And I forget exactly how it went down, but we just didn't make it there. Like we essentially broke up on the way. I think Luke had even like rented a U Haul truck for it or something. And we just like that night we returned and we're like, okay, well, we're done with Hate to Say It. We're going to start something new. But by that time, we had already worked. We were working at U-Haul with Steve Wigant, who then, okay, that's when Allsfield started. And that's, for the for the audience who is not aware, the current bass player? Yes. All, all-time the bass all-time player. all-time bass player. So Allsfield is, is um, Allsfield is who is in it at the time. 
but <laughs> <laughs> but all else failed is also me looking the core Steve. group is it's you, me you, looking Steve. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. we uh, and when we teamed up with Steve and Steve, uh, like in later conversations, was always like, "Man, I was hoping like you would just like you know move on." would hate to say it I would just join as bass player but we were just so done and just like kind of bummed about the way it worked out and looking back we actually did let a couple pretty good songs go with hate to say it that we maybe should have kept or maybe should have re- I don't know right um, but you know how it is in the world it's like no it's already out on a tape it's like who cares no one ever heard that so we could have <laughs> yeah. just taken it. but it's like yo the whole world already knows about it. Yeah. whatever it's on tape, no one's but, heard it it's fine um, redo it but uh, yeah so Luke and Steve worked together at U-Haul they were like alright Luke went back and told Steve, it's like, yeah, I hate to say it's done. And uh, Steve was sor- not his band at the time, 5.0. I think there was later on, there was a new metal band called 5.0. Uh, not the same band. Steve's high school band was called 5.0, and they just ruled. They were so awesome. We loved them so much. But that was starting to fall apart. So it was like kind of obvious. It's like, all right, we're going to do this, right? Yeah, it was like, all right. And then he had started playing in another project with Dave Sesso, and he's like, well, I'm talking about doing this band with Dave. And I'm talking about doing your guys' band. We're like, well, we're talking about doing something just completely different. And you want to do like a two singer thing? And like, you're like, yeah, fuck it, let's let's see what happens. And now that's one of our questions. Yeah. How? Because I, I this seemed to be kind of a thing in the late '90s. Was it? Yeah. Did were other bands doing it then too that you were aware of? Or I can like... honestly fully say that when we did that, we did not know of any other bands that were doing that. Within uh, eight months of our existence, we were playing with like two other bands. They were doing yeah. singers. So it must have been something. In Maybe the water you were at the, the first. Well, no, it, it, I think it was something in the water at the time. It was definitely like yeah. very like it, doing experimental shit was like less frowned upon at the time, I guess. Or, or maybe not, like not that it was ever frowned. You know what I'm saying? It was just like yeah. it was just more something that we kind of came out yeah, organically. Band, bands were trying to get a little more out there, and that was just one way. Yeah. That maybe like started. they had too many people, but they just didn't have the heart to tell someone to go home. Yeah. So it's like, ah, yeah, give them like, a microphone. Or, or the, this guy it. owned the PA or whatever. No, <laughs> no, it was. Uh, but no, so that's how that came about. Was uh, and I think Luke like had a lot of like song ideas where like I was going to do backups and. And I was like, well, let's just get so so. The original lineup was just myself, Luke, Steve, Dave Sesso, and we didn't have a drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, we were hesitant to get Paul right off the bat because we didn't want it to be just like hate to say it without Chris. You know, in retrospect, I don't know necessarily why that would have mattered too much, but we were very hesitant to, to ask Paul. But then we did, and it was like, oh, okay, obviously this is the guy we should ask from the get go. <laughs> so because yeah. we we played with a couple. Like honestly, we cycled through a lot of the same guys that. that hate to say it had uh, my buddy Dave played for a couple uh, never shows but like writing practices and stuff and um, but then Paul joined and we had three songs and put out a seven inch and off we went one take Paul I call him yeah he's, he's, he's just solid yeah, yeah just unbelievably solid and he, he gave a lot to our sound but we had already kn- like in hate to say it he was really learning how to play like he was always really really good but he was just developing his style by the time it came time to do all's failed it was like forget about it the dude was a monster and um, so he took us from like we we were okay. Paul joined. We were like okay. Now we're really onto something. Let let's let's make moves. Um, like maybe six months later, we had uh, like after the first seven inch, um, Steve's brother Bobby joined, and that was like the first six piece like quote unquote like classic lineup was me, Luke, Steve, Bobby, Dave Sesso, and Paul was the first like six piece lineup. Now I remember hearing about those early shows. I got into you guys from Most Bitter Season. Yep. You know, Burster was like. 
a classic song. Yeah. It still is. That's like that, 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 that intro. Is yeah. When you first hear that, it's yeah. Like, and that ending, like, I know a life once lost just, just took that ending <laughs> and just <laughs> put it in their <laughs> demo. It's yeah. like the dun, 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 dun. Like, yeah. it's just, the, it's a classic, Damn classic song. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember, I remember hearing tales about, like, how crazy your shows were. And I was, like, a hardcore junkie at the time. Like, right. not, like, drug kind yet mm-hmm. yeah. but uh <laughs> but like i i just i just always wanted to find the craziest show and like the cra- you know i just like t- i would hear tales of like all's failed and like you know like you guys would like fight like during the set and so my que- and my question wraps around to that like i remember hearing stories like with fighting and just all this stuff like what what was the deal with that because i didn't see those early shows yeah it it never like we never did anything fully pre-planned we like and and a lot of people like after the fact, like, would give us grievance, like, oh, it's like going to see like backyard wrestling. Or yeah. Because um, I see some pictures where there's like masks and like, oh, well, stuff. So, so that show specifically was, uh, that was pre planned. That was uh, a Halloween show, I think, in Dagger up at Middlesex. Ooh. And that was um, part of speaking to Luke's flair for the dramatic and wanting to be an actor and everything. <laughs> we're like, we're playing a Halloween show. We're going to go. We're for going it. to. Yeah. With Ink so, and Dagger. I yeah. Mean, come on. So we were all dressed up as like, I guess, like ghouls that you would see in that band Ghost now or whatever. Like, that's uh, basically how we were dressed. And uh, Luke built like a gallows and hung himself. <laughs> had Dave Sasso hang him, actually. Uh, that's beautiful. And like, not everybody was in on it and everybody like, yeah. Like, it looked maybe too real and like people were upset and stuff. So, um, so that one was pre-planned, but like the typical like show where it was just chaotic, it was like literally chaotic because we, we could barely play. Like, you know, Paul was probably at that point, like far above and beyond us as musicians. Steve was always really good. I was just like figuring out how to play. You, you know, right. even hate to say it. Is. I remember the, the big difference between the hate to say it CD and the tape is I figured out how to palm mute, you know? <laughs> you <know what> <laughs> so, so we weren't very good players, uh, we were becoming good players. We were finding it out. Um, but it was always high energy was always very, very high on the priority list. And, uh, you know, we saw bands like dead guy or turmoil just go and just destroy rooms. And we're like, yeah, that's what we want to do. But when you have two singers and they're running around, you know what I mean? Maybe there's only so much space and one gets pissed at the other. There was never like, I only remember one or two times our actual punches were thrown, but there was a, yeah, just once or twice. Yeah, just once or twice. But we were always cool after. I don't think anybody was ever really, bummed at anybody else but it, our mentality was you know if the show is not going well make there be something to look at yeah. you know what i mean like that was really the, what was that's the only thing if we were killing the show we weren't going to fight if the show was going <laughs> off the rails and somebody felt they had to do something things would happen nice <laughs> so i remember i didn't get a chance to see you guys i i see all those videos all the time that uh like delaware 90s hardcore yeah, and i, yeah, I never yeah. caught any of the yeah. two singer shows that just that site's great by the way that, i know we were talking yeah, yeah, we were talking about them in the first step so yeah. shout out again yeah. delaware 90s hardcore crisscrossed <laughs> and uh i didn't i mi- i missed those early shows and i i just didn't hear about you guys i saw my, i think my friend booked you guys at Yardley Firehouse. Okay. I think that was the first time I saw you. Now, there was a lo- I had a big expectations in my mind because I remember two singers, craziness, all this stuff, and this was this was probably the least attended show I've ever seen. I think there was like four people there, may- ha- maybe nope. less. Yeah, that would happen. <laughs> yeah, and I just you know so and I don't remember the set really honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I just were we still two singers at the time? No. Or? Okay. I, this may have been right around. When it became one, or I, this I, was probably like 98, 99. I, I kind of feel like I remember that show a little bit. For some reason, I have this weird uh, 
like weird blips of memory of shows like of like when you say firehouse like i do remember being and we were joking before we started this that I refer to everything north of Philadelphia as Doylestown. <laughs> That's uh, right near because Doylestown. I have no right? idea where anything <laughs> right. is. So it's like I think I remember playing somewhere up by Doylestown. Somewhere in Doylestown. <laughs> on on the, this is the the craziest, stupidest, random memory. But the day Howard Stern announced he got divorced, I had no idea why I remember this. I remember hearing it like on the news and then going up to play the show or whatever. Yeah. Um, of of all dumb. Memories. That was big so, news at the time. So, well, we could yeah. actually uh, we could probably date. The, the show but with that information uh, but I do remember playing that Firehouse and, and that does ring a bell to me as being in that uh, era where uh, Dave left and we decided we weren't going to replace him with another singer um, we had started to do more like sample stuff mm-hmm. neurosis kind of stuff that, yeah. uh, we got our buddy Johnny Moran to help us do that stuff and he actually Johnny Moran was was a fairly short term member but had some great contributions like he he really helped us construct and I think even wrote some of the sample parts that we use for like Did You Think of Me and stuff like that. So like huge songs that we still play to this day, like Johnny was a big part of. Yes. Now um, that three song EP. Yes. Now there was a there was a long period where I didn't see you and you know, I had heard Most Bitter Season and all mm-hmm. that. And my friend, I don't know, he he either stole CDs from a distro or he just he just <laughs> got them somehow. Right. And I saw there was that three song EP. Uh, yes. In times of desperation. Yes. Yeah. That I was like, oh, almost failed. Let's check this out. And I put it on, and I was just, I was yeah. blown away. That, that I was, was like, what the? I was that like, was what definitely, happened? you know, that was definitely taking it to the next level. And this is going to sound uh, like mean to Dave Sesson. I don't mean it this way at all. But it was addition by subtraction in the regards of, I think, what we were doing with the two-singer version, the noisy, like, we did that as far as we could do it. And, yeah. and like we were trying to jam too many different things into it. It was the more like, like late 90s, emo-ish. Like, like, uh, like spaz out on the floor. Kind yeah, of, yeah, just yeah. Just kick yeah. stuff over. And we were doing that and it was a lot of fun. Dave sort of lost interest in it. And, and again, I love what Dave brought to the band, but when he left, it became more streamlined. And like it, it made the jump to it in times of desperation happen. By, right. By letting us, okay, we just have a singer. You just have one singer now. He's going to take care of everything. We're going to incorporate a little more of the samples in, but we it really and not coincidentally, we were getting writing better songs. We were getting better at our instruments, and Steve wrote, I think, ninety percent of that EP. And Steve was just starting to get on a different planet. I was like, "Fuck, I better." It was a huge <laughs> leap forward. I, yeah. I remember showing it to everybody, and I was like, "I got to see these guys again." I can still barely play some of those songs. By the way, <laughs> like we we came up with versions. Steve's original riffs. We were like, "We're like, okay, how about we do it like this?" Yeah. Like, and to, like, I I don't think your days are numbered, which is the second song on that CD. Like, I don't think that exists in a time signature. I don't think you can even count that out. Like, I have no idea how we play that riff. It's just like, yeah, it, now it's ingrained in my memory. But like, it's like muscle memory. Yeah, like you just feel it. Like yeah, sometimes I, I listen to a nine minute song and I'm like, how do they do that? But I've written nine minute songs and yeah. played on them. It's like you just you just feel it. Right. You right. know and, when it's and, time. And we were big on feel, and that's something that that lineup really had. Like by that point, we were just so locked in with Paul, and uh, we could write stuff like that, and it uh, it just went to the next level. Those three songs really took it. Um, but then you know we just started getting rolling in that formation, and then Paul left, so we had to uh, get. Uh, another drummer and we got a guy named Dave Clank who was awesome Dave was from the northern suburbs Doyle's Tent now I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, I think he was actually from Ambler I think which is right near Doyle's Tent it's, it's all Doyle's <laughs> Tent to me like anywhere yeah. north of like Warman's yeah uh, so Dave Clank joined he, he was actually he was from up that way but he was in some upper derby bands that we were playing with uh, prior to all this uh, he knew a lot of guys that, that 
like we went to school with and such. And uh, he joined, and you know, we, we tried not to miss a beat. I mean, it was Paul. It, it was just like taking, you know, Steve, myself, and Paul were, were just writing at a level at that point that we were super locked in. And then just to take the drum around, and put a different. It wasn't fair to Dave to expect it to be perfect, you know. But he did a great job with it. He recorded archetype with us, uh, but then trying to write, we were just like, eh, you know, we wanted to go one way. Dave just wasn't really feeling it, and. So he ended up leaving. We just that we were in a stage of like eternal lineup changes at that point. But somewhere in there, it definitely became like okay, it's me, Luke, and Steve, sort of. Yeah, and I remember. I'd say calling the shots. That sounds yeah. so dicky, but you know, we, we someone were, we were has to deciding the direction, of running the show. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I remember. I guess it was around ninety nine, two thousand was when I started seeing you guys live again. Mm-hmm. Now. I don't remember where I was. I think it was like a house show somewhere. And this guy, I think he worked for Now or Never Records or mm-hmm. something. And he had, he had archetype. Mm-hmm. He had like he had it like before it came out. Oh, okay. And he had Dillinger's Calculating Infinity. Okay. Before they came out. Sure. And he's like showing it to people on a disc man. <laughs> and I listened to each of them, and I'm like, oh my god, listen to this. Like, <laughs> so that was probably that era, the archetype era, and that was when when I look back at all the eras of the band, I think that's when I was the most fond of being in the band, because up until that point, it was a bit of a struggle. Like we. Like we had all the confidence in the world that we were like on to something cool and on to something different, but we weren't getting a ton of love. And you know, it's a long time to do a band. We're like a band four years at this point without getting a whole lot of really like traction. Like yeah, and 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 it's it's weird because I I remember seeing you on shows that you opened for. I don't know, Dillinger or, or Candiri or someone at yeah. Chrome. And you yeah. Were, you were, well, well you, that, so that was a little later. That's when we, yeah. we did start to, to catch some traction. But like prior to that, we didn't – and a lot of it came out of – it was kind of our, like, our upbringing like, from Hate to Say It through you – know, <laughs> Hate to Say It in 5.0, joining forces and becoming all else failed, um, like brought it back to like Upper Darby. And there was this weird thing at the time when it was like – and I don't know, it probably still exists to some degree. I'm not as in tune as I used to be. But there was like almost like purity tests for hardcore. It's like, oh, is that a real hardcore band? And it's like, I don't know, man. Well, we play at the Speakeasy and we listen to Clutch. And you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and we love, we fucking love Biohazard. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, but by the same time, we were like trying to get on church shows. And like, we were friends with all those guys too. But like, like I hate you. And, and you know, guys and not work that went on to be in like Kid Dynamite you know the, the, the what became like the real Philly early 2000s Philly hardcore scene yes we were sort of not invited you know what I mean and it was I don't know if it was like oh those are metal weirdos or whatever but then also in the in the metal weirdo scene the, like the speakeasy it was like oh that's just like a hardcore band they're, they're not like you know what I mean so it was like but we were friends with everybody and as we got better everybody was m- much more accepting of us so so there was a, a long time frame where Philly didn't really feel us, I guess. Which but is it, which is weird, and I remember feeling that too because I'm like, why? Like these guys should be on everything. Right. Like, well, to wh- be fair, we weren't always that great. So <laughs> <laughs> the first two years, the first two years wasn't everybody. But I'm fault. thinking of the point. archetype era. Now, yeah. is that well, the era in your mind where like it kind of all came together? Yeah. And tell us about getting on to Now or Never and putting out that record and recording yes. it because a lot of bands, when I hear interviews. They just kind of jump right to we're on tour. Mm, like yeah. I've I've never been in a band that's been signed. Right. I've never been on a tour, so I'm curious about the process to getting to that point. Sure. So um, we did start to catch some traction prior to all this when we got uh, Dave as our drummer, 
like for the first uh so the the three song came out the the last thing we did with paul was in times of desperation that got put out uh on a label called alone records who for the life of me i can't remember how he found us really cool guy named andy forget what show he saw us at but he uh he wanted to put that out so we put that out we played i i do remember we played i want to say at the kill time with and i think it ended up being our last show with paul and we had in times of desperation and we gave it to uh keith and hell who did uh hellfest in syracuse yes and i believe i don't know if maddie beckerman was there or not or if keith gave the cd to maddie beckerman who ran now or never records so in times of desperation's out now or never records gets a hold of it uh keith and hell has it we start playing hellfest and stuff so that was like a huge thing for us to finally start playing in front of like bigger crowds now a quick interjection i remember that hellfest mm-hmm. i remember you specifically at that show and that was when luke i think he got hit in the face too yeah. we were talking to mike shaw in oh, yeah. uh, in our last episode and he got hit in the face and was bleeding and, that same one? and yeah, the yeah. same it's like well, a philly thing i guess so, so, so that <laughs> that one um the, the first, i think that was hellfest 2000 yes and, and same Hellfest. Yeah. Yeah. So future Hellfest, it almost got canceled, but they saved that one somehow. But it all got jammed in the one room. Yeah. So bands only had like, so we had four songs. We had a 20-minute set. Um, I remember that. Every band had like three or four songs. Yeah. So depending. we got up there and we did our best and, and it went really, really well. Uh, Maddie Beckerman decided to sign us. But uh, so in that time frame that we were starting to play, we were finally getting, and, and really it came, like I joke about Doylestown, but it was really, it was Lansdale was the spot. We had a, a couple guys up there, Mark Mevis, who ended up oh, uh, yeah, booking us in, in Philly a lot, but Mevis started like real, like Northern Suburbs, just Lansdowne VFW, or Lansdale VFW, yeah, yeah. I think it was. One of those. Yeah. Well, uh, the Lansdowne's the one that's out by like, like yeah, well, Westfield. That's like, where yeah, we grew yeah, up. Yeah, 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 that's Lansdowne. Lansdale is... Uh, we ended up playing Lansdale like every weekend for a year, and we like, and then I think a lot of those kids moved to Philly, <laughs> so it's like we we sort of took like the back door into Philly acceptance, I guess. But yeah, so around that time, like we were starting, people were starting to come out to our shows. We were getting much much better as a band. We just put out the best release that we probably ever put out, and uh, Maddie Beckerman got a hand, hand of it and was like. Let's go. Let, let's, uh, you know, he had just put out the Dillinger release, but Dillinger was already moving on the relapse, I believe, at that time. And I guess maybe he thought we were like the, the next band to step up and fill that void on his roster. Yes. And, um, but he was super tight with all those guys. So he had like Ben record archetype with us, Ben produced that. Um, we're talking about Ben Weinman yes. from, uh, from Dillinger. So was he like in the studio helping yep. you and shit? Yeah. Yeah. He, he produced that record from like he, you know, we tried to do it as pro as possible. It was our first experience, like making a record. We went up and stayed in New Jersey for a week in a hotel and went to the studio every day. And we're like, "Wow, we're making like a pro record here." And yeah, um, you know, in retrospect, we probably gave up a little too much control to Ben because a he was our dude. We played with those guys a bunch, so we knew Ben, and yeah, he was the man. We loved him. We were we were going to do anything he said because yeah. we we're just like, well, we're paying him to produce it. We're going to let him do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, we're like, ah, we probably should have kept some of our own tones and some of our own, you know what I mean? It, it sounds a little, it probably sounds like a Dillinger record by a band that can't play anywhere near as well as Dillinger. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, long story short. But um, but he did a great job with it. I mean, it's still a great, yeah, I've revisited yeah. it again recently, and it's still just tons of hits. And like, I remember when that record came out, they uh, some website now or never or something dropped the in time yeah. MP3 and I remember it was yeah. a different version that was on the record yeah. so, and that was like a very very memorable song yeah that one um, 
So we were like, I guess it's so, the difference between labels nowadays. Like back in the day, doing an indie label, like it was cooler to be as pro as possible. Now an indie label just wants to put out vinyl and has nothing to do with like being in Tower Records or whatever. You know what? I mean? yeah. or whatever. But back in the day, it was like, no, they wanted like we have to go in and do instrumental versions just in case they want to use it in a commercial or something. We're like, oh, or put you in a video game. We're like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> and we we're just thinking this is all like goofy or whatever but sure enough like it ended up on like tommy lee's real life or whatever like some mtv show and like they use it on mtv a couple times and we ended up getting a settlement check for like 800 bucks because they mm -hmm. used it unauthorized and there was a big class action suit nice. bands, so that was fun that was like opening a lottery ticket <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god it's here it was 800 and i was like yeah all right whatever, whatever. <laughs> it's not so bad but yeah so they, they were really good at making a real record and ben crushed at that Matt Beckerman was really good at running a real label. And, you know, we gave them a good record. We just, you know, by the time it came time to tour, and we did go out with Dillinger for like six weeks, but we just could never keep a band together. By this point, Dave Clank had left. We had Joe Brown, Bobby left. We, we replaced him with a, a filling guy that didn't work out. He left on tour. You know, that was, we just didn't, weren't seeing eye to eye. And it was best that he leave the tour. Mm. Um, and it, we just, it felt like missed opportunity after missed opportunity. It's like, how many bands get that opportunity to like open the Dillinger tour when Dillinger is popping off as like the, just the rocket shooting through the, the ceiling at this point, And like, we're opening it. It was like probably the most coveted spot of any tour that year. Yeah. And we're on it and like half of our band leaves and we're like, just like, like limping through shows as a four piece. It it's sucked. like the yeah. Philadelphia story. And I've been in that situation multiple times in bands where things are happening yeah. you're like this is it like all the year of effort we put into this yeah, thing this is what it's, this, all about. it's happening right yeah. now and when you still can't like just hold it together yeah, it's just yeah, like we just couldn't keep it together and i remember being on the uh, so during that tour uh our buddy joe who who rejoined the band later basically told us he wasn't going to tour again when we got home so it was back down to me we can see at this point like there was no one doing samples the the guy that we got to to replace bobby left joe joined on drums now he's leaving and it's like my god like it's down to me like so i remember on that tour we got an offer to go to europe to open for propane which <laughs> i mean that should have been a no-brainer we should have just been like yeah i mean it's got to be weird but sure let's do it but we were just like dude we're not even a band right now we're going to get home and have to either stop or basically replace the whole band other than, than luke steve and i so we got home and took a couple weeks off and uh, like got together and we're like, yeah, we're gonna keep going. And that's when we sort of solidified it. Like we, we got, we, Joe stayed with the band. We had, like just sort of made an agreement. We're like, all right, we're gonna replace you if we tour. Like, so we worked it out with Joe and we got uh, Dave Davies who's been in the band ever since. Yes. On guitar. Yes. And then uh, we started writing. We start, and that's when we got going into the material that became This Never Happened. Now is that, would you consider that your greatest record because i noticed the sets are heavy now there's a lot of hits on that record a yeah. lot of hits and there's i know you had some good videos come out of that and you know the biggest mistake we always and we make it to this day is i don't know what our problem is but we are so positive that everything we're doing is the last thing we're ever going to do <laughs> and we went into that record thinking it was going to be our last record just because of everything we had been through and, mm -hmm. You know, we're like, oh, well, we're probably not going to tour unless we find a different drummer, and we're probably not going to feel like doing that, and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, we don't even really love the old... Well, you got to keep in mind, too, it's like forever ago now, even this 
era that I'm talking about is, is a long time ago. Like, we were fighting the fact that we were like, oh, it's failed. It's like, we're a different band than when we started. And you know, now I look back on that as a great thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, it's cool. We've been, like, five different incarnations, and each one of them is special to me and, like, holds a place in my heart. But at the time, when you're trying to, like, present, like, uh, 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 you know, you're trying to present your art and you want to be the next band and you want to get on the next tour, you know, we didn't love having a Most Bitter Season, like, hanging over our head at that point. It was like, we're not really that band anymore. You know what I mean? Right. So we were fighting that a lot more at that time. We were like, maybe we should just, like, change it up and do a different band altogether. We went through that whole thing that, I'm, you know, a lot of bands go through. But we were writing this stuff, so we were writing, like, some weird Rocky songs that we were doing with Joe. Now, that's and, a question I have for you. Yeah, because you, you balance the more rock songs mm-hmm. very well with the more chaotic songs. Right. And now, back in the day... In the the early two thousands, we would I would call it like pulling a cave in because like yeah. you're a heavy band <laughs> and then you become a lighter band. And at the time, I hated it because like I felt betrayed. Right, for sure. And uh, I don't feel that way anymore. Right. I I mean, cave in personally, I love every one of their records, yeah. but well, I wouldn't I wouldn't like it. So when you guys did that, was it like a conscious move? Like, all right, we're gonna write a lighter song, or like how did those it, discussions it was happen? One hundred percent not a not a conscious decision. And it's funny you, you bring up cave in because they're one of my favorite bands. And I'm way more partial to the to the radio rock version of Cave In myself. Yeah. Um, but it is funny, like, if you take them, and I think it's just a, a product of being young and thinking that everything has to move so linear or that you can't get betrayed. You said the, the perfect word for it is right. like a betrayal. Um, but if you look at it now, backwards, you're like, they're records. There's a clear line. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's yeah. It's not as crazy as it seemed. And it's still time, heavy. You know? no. yeah, and like, it's, it's, it's even though it's quote-unquote yeah. radio rock, right. it's too heavy for it's the radio like, still. You know, like, until Most your heart stops to, yeah. to Jupiter isn't that much of a leap. And Jupiter to, to Antenna isn't that much of a leap. It's, no. it's like all – it's all the same band, but it doesn't seem like it when you're when you're living it. So right. as it applied to us, we were actually starting – trying to start a different band. So we, we – we're still trying to figure out what we were going to do with Joe. And we had a bunch of like heavier songs that we started writing with Joe that we didn't really finish. And we asked Chris Penny if he would like help us finish them. So he came and like practiced like one weekend with us and we drilled down and finished, I think like six or seven songs. And then the next week he came and we recorded them and that was it. So that was going to be, this never happened. But then we started like, as we were sitting on that material and sort of finishing it, we started, we, we were working things out. Which, well, we actually had a different drummer, and it wasn't working out with him. We started playing with Joe again. We wrote, like, three or four songs that we were thinking were going to be a different band. And then we were like, fuck it, you want to just record those songs? And then we were like, fuck it, you want to just put them all in one album and call it all? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was definitely, it wasn't a conscious decision to be like, we're going to fuck with our fans and just start writing radio songs. But by the same token, it was going to be like a different a, a different project, but so it just are, sort of morphed into one thing. Are there Chris Penny recorded songs on This Never Happened? Yeah, he played like on six or seven of the songs, and Joe Brown played on like five of the songs. I had no idea. Yeah. I, that's a complete uh, After the show, no we're no going to do a breakdown yeah. and, yes. and dive played, in. Yeah, like, Chris is on like tracks one through five, I think, or four. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. But the, to Joe's credit, Joe's a monster too, man. Like a lot of people don't know the difference, like the, the Joe songs from the Chris songs. I had no idea. You know, Chris is like the biggest monster in the game, but like Joe Brown was right. And a handful of the parts that we were uh, showing Chris for the songs that we recorded with him, he was like, what the fuck is Joe doing? Like, you know what I mean? It was like, we're like, oh man, like maybe Joe's better than we thought. <laughs> no, Joe Brown, JV is the man. We love Joe Brown. He, he actually took us like... He had just such a weird style because the interesting thing was, and this is like 
where being in Osfeld occasionally was like an embarrassment of riches because like he was a younger dude who grew up listening to Paul. He's like, I learned how to play drums listening to Paul play drums. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, man, this is too easy. Come on. <laughs> uh, but he had such a flair and a style of his own. Like I like, like he brought this like shuffle on the snare drum that was just like, I like it made so many parts happen that otherwise were just kind of like normal parts. And like, he just had a swing to him that was like different than anybody we had played with. So, um, it, it was interesting. It was cool. And to have him and Chris on the same record and a lot of people be like, I don't even know which one's which. It's like, it's a testament to Joe. It's, it's you know, Joe is that good for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the first breakup that I witnessed. I remember there was some breakup. It was, the last show was at Palanca Park. Yes. What year was that? So that was as all of this was happening. So that was as this never happened was trying to, and that's sort of what the name even implied. Like there was a lot of like, last record last show last like we in our mind we were starting the new stuff so and chris penny played that palanca park show with us um and that was to be our last show at that point i think we had recorded uh the songs with chris that are on this never happened i think that was already done and we we're starting to figure it out with joe so we were like all right well we're gonna bury all and we're gonna you know focus on this new stuff with joe and that was probably 2003, maybe 2002 or 2003. And, you know, it took a year or so to really get everything back together and, and, and feel good about playing with Joe again. Not there was never any big falling out, but it was just like, well, you know, we weren't we were really struggling to find the same page for everybody because, you know, that time of life, we were 20 six or 27. Some guys want to go full bore and other guys want to start getting married and right. other guys want to do different kinds of music so no one could find the same page and we finally sort of cobbled together the same page about a year later so around 2004 we decided um you know that the guy we started playing with again we're like all right not gonna he was a short-termer guy really nice guy but just wasn't gonna work out so we got uh joe back joe recorded the rocker songs you know like water live departing flights those are joe songs mm -hmm. We decided to go for it again. Yeah, we just were like, all right, screw it, let's go. And uh, by this point, Dave Davies, well, Dave Davies had already been in the band. Dave Davies is all over. This never happened. He, he played the, on the whole record. But yeah, the five of us were back and we, we started to, you know, try to play out a little more again. Yeah, and I lost track of you again, I would say until 2006, you played Philafunk live. Yes. I'm, now, was there yeah. like a gap where you weren't playing or had Luke moved to California? So, no, Luke hadn't moved yet. But we, um, so this never happened, was going to come out. It hadn't come out yet. Five drummers, <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole Penny to the other guy to, to Joe thing had finally sort of worked itself out. And then at that time, Now or Never got signed or got sold to Century Media. So, and Century Media was really excited to now own the rights to a record that Chris, that somebody from Dillinger Escape Hand played on. So right. we didn't want to do it at all. We Honestly, we had a conference call with the owner of Century Media Records in Germany, basically telling him, you know, this is cool and all, but like, we're not really a Century Media band. We don't know what we're doing. We're like 20, you know, we don't know how much longer we're going to be doing this. Don't like, we don't, can't really commit. And, you know, so we all sort of decided we're like, we're, uh, you know, we will agree to this and, and, do the record with you guys, but one thing we suck at, we, we're not very good at self-promotion, we're not very good at booking our own tours or anything like that. It's like, get us on good tours, and we'll yeah. go out and we'll crush it. And um, 
like I think we did one tour for this never happened with Ed Yoon, who who will, will come up in the story later. But so again, Joe wasn't going to tour, so we had to replace Joe again. We we got a uh, Jimmy Rhodes. Oh uh, uh, yes. So the lineup became me, Luke, Steve, Dave Davies, and Jimmy. That lineup toured with Ed Gein, but you know there was nothing when we were on the tail end of that tour. There was like the whole goal was to tour for this never happened for a year. About six weeks in, we realized there was no more tours and nothing. <laughs> so we were like, all right, I guess we got to get jobs when we get home. And we just sort of decided to break up again. So that lineup played like in 2006, and we wrote like one or two songs. That became the Good Enough for the Girls We Roll with songs, the, the three new songs yeah, okay. on that. I remember I was very excited to see 173. Yes. And you yes. did play it at Phil Funk. But I hadn't been to a hardcore show in a while. But there was this guy there, I remember, I don't know who it was, but just crowd killing. Like yeah. obnoxiously. I feel that was a violent show. Yeah, It we, was we very violent. And yeah. I was like, nothing has changed. I don't know why I'm still doing this. Like, you know, and I don't, I don't think I went to another hardcore show well, again for it, a while. It was, um, it was a great show. I remember it was a stacked lineup. And I oh, remember, yeah. I remember the show getting, itself like, was great. Yeah, I think, I, I think at some point somebody, like Luke's brother. Got into a, like, yeah, yeah, skirmish. So yeah. it was... Um, it was sort of a tense one, and then the next night we played up at ABC Nereo, and and that was it. And we were like, we were like that point, we were way more ready to be done with it. Like the the breakup of a couple years earlier was probably us, like throwing a temper tantrum, being a little premature, giving up on it. But that one was like, all right, we're done. It's we're like done. in we're Seinfeld, he says. Uh... Breaking up is like pushing over a Coke machine. You yeah. don't just push it over in exactly. one. you got to rock That's it back exactly and forth a few times. To, exactly. And then it falls over. And then over. it falls over. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the Coke machine fell over in 2007. So, enter. This is where we linked up. Yeah. Now, I remember I met you through Centerfuse. Yep. Shout out sure. Centerfuse. Yeah. And uh, I bought a. Sansamp pedal. Yes. Right. Now, I knew. Someone told me you were in All Else Failed. Yes. And I, I did not. Uh, so, I went, I went to buy it. And I, I pretended not to know that you were in the band. <laughs> I remember. Uh, so, yeah, that was at my apartment, my basement apartment up in Malvern. I believe, yes. Right? And I bought the pedal. And then I, I was like talking about music with you for a minute. And I yeah. was like, what band were you in? So that's <laughs> awesome. That's very funny. So that what I had done prior to that was a band called Murder, Texas, linked back up with Paul, the original yeah. Osfeld drummer. And that I love that band. That band. was Oh, yeah. I tried out for an early incantation. with that. Uh, or wait, no, that was after. Wait, no. I that tried was somewhere out, in there. I tried out, and then I think Murder, Texas happened later. Do you remember that tryout? I do. I remember you were on bass. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now, what did you guys think? What was the discussion after that? Uh, well, I was into it, but we were still just trying to figure out what we were going to do. Yeah. And then Paul ended up doing something with, uh, he did a band called Signal to Noise with Rob Avery and uh, a buddy of ours named Jeff mm-hmm. and this guy, Matt Fleischman. Then that fell apart, but Paul and Matt were still playing and made my buddy Billy stepped in. And then it was like, well, they were actually already playing and I came up and I, I just love playing bass. For some reason, I, I just play it mm-hmm. like an idiot. I just play it like a rhythm guitar. <laughs> um, I'm no good at being a traditional bassist, but I, I think I come up with interesting things. Yes. Um, so it just really clicked. But then um, the singer slash guitar player of that band got like really good offers to go tour with. Uh, he knew Fred from Taking Back Sunday, and he ended up like filling in on like Warp Tour bands and oh, okay. ended up joining Fred's band. So Murder Texas sadly went went south. But that's when you and I really linked up because well, first off, that's when I sold you the Sansamp because I didn't have a need for it anymore because I wasn't playing bass anymore. Right. So um that's when I sold you the Sansamp. But then around then I think is when we first played. Yeah. I, I was didn't trying you before selling you that gear. So it couldn't have been before I was trying to put together a band that sounded like Quicksand. And yes. 
the guys which is everybody's doing now yeah. but it was yeah. a very novel idea at the <laughs> yeah. time for sure now for sure. the guys i was putting it together with they just it just didn't work out and you had been messaging you messaged me and you're like let's yeah. just do it yeah. and i'm like ah well i got these guys and but then you just started a private message thread with a couple people yeah in centerfuse and you're like let's do it yeah and then we practiced and i remember messaging you because i i was such a fan of all else failed I was like, I, I can't, I can't be in a band with you. Like, I, I was like, I don't think I can do it because no, no. I can't play. Like, well, I always felt that you like. So what we ended up doing though was writing great songs, and it's like you weren't playing my part exactly. But that's the fun part is you were forced to come up with something over my part. And yeah, you did that fantastically. You did that as as good as anybody ever has. So, um, that's definitely but, one of my favorite bands I've been in because that was the yeah. first time I've ever been in. That's the second band I've ever been in. And, but it finally was like. This oh, is I'm Crash writing. Of 64. Is, I was going to say yeah, this yeah. is Crash, Crash of 64. 64. I was yeah. trying to like give so, some type of context. So, there. so like like yes, the band is called Crash of 64. Pat and I were in it, and it was the first time I was in a band that like this is. I'm like this is a band I want to be in. This yeah. is the sound I'm going we, for. So it was working when I was I was. My goal with that band was initially to be like I want to do Murder Texas, but with me playing guitar instead of bass. <laughs> and then you were like. You joined on guitar, and we went through like you remember that like cycle of a bunch of different drummers. And, oh and, yeah. yeah, I think even Mike from uh, This Day Forward came down. Oh and, yeah. yeah, he tri yeah. we had a tr singer tryouts yeah. and drummer tryouts. We tryout went through a bunch and... of stuff. So then finally, uh, Keith and I were like, well, why don't we just get the two best people at each position, drums and vocals that we know, and then we'll fill out the band later, and we'll just record with. And then they ended up sticking around Paul and Mike. Yes, uh, Mike Cummings from Backwoods Payback, now in All Else Failed. Yes, um, and Paul, formerly of. Uh, Oswald failed and yeah. Murder Texas. So we got together and it was a lot of fun. Now here here's here's an interesting question and it's going to be kind of weird, but stick with sure. me. Now the band we lasted about a year. We, uh, we yeah probably. we we were recording maybe two. No, well oh a year leading up to the first show and then we played and played for like a yeah. year. Yeah yeah I would say that's right. So it was like a two year investment and we were recording a new EP. Mm -hmm. And right. now. This was a time in my life where I was just grasping, trying to hold it all together. Like right. I was getting out of control with like drinking and everything else that I was doing and just really trying to hold it together, but not doing a great job. And, you know, this band was like everything I was putting my energy into. And I was also in like a weird relationship that I was that was like not good mm -hmm. and I was obsessed with. So I'm like desperately trying to hold it all together. And I remember... The band was kind of unraveling. You were going through some stuff. Yeah, I think Mike yeah. was going through some stuff. And I don't think there was ever an end. No, there I wasn't. Think we just, yeah. I think I just said, are we practicing? And just it just kind of yeah. stopped. It was, that one was a weird, sad, slow death. Now, sure. in my yeah. mind, because I'm paranoid, I created... Like I sometimes entertain this fantasy, like, oh, you were. You're, my man over here is cracking no, up. This is so. This is what I do. This is, this is Keith in a nutshell. No, I'd love to hear it. Him by it. himself yeah. in his own yeah. brain. Yeah. So I'm like, I was too out of control. So they ended the band. No, no. To end was, it. So was, what was there ever a discussion? There was, was there ever? There was never a discussion. Um, did it just stop? We played. I think once where Steve was going to come up and play bass with us. He did. And one yeah, time. One time. Yeah. And. I guess we were just like, no, to answer your question, short answer, no, there was never a discussion. In retrospect, there were conversations about like, yeah, why did we just stop that? And I was said exactly what you said. I was like, well, like Keith was kind of going off the deep end and I was going through some shit and Mike was, you know, backwards picked back up and Mike went over to backwards. And, yep. You know, it was just, 
It was never like, oh, Keith was way too much. No, okay. it was never that. No. It I was make always, everything about I me. I mean, that was always one of the things. You know, it, it was exactly how you rattled it off. Yeah. No, and that's I, what everybody said. I've know. had those conversations with Doug before. <laughs> where I'm like, Keith is out of hand, bro. we got to do something. <laughs> it, it, it was what you uh, – exactly how you said it. it and But the thing was, you know, there was never – and it, it was to our detriment. I was trying to recently put it back together. Um, Mike is just so hard to – down yeah, let's let's talk about that now. About what's that? I envision I envision a, a New York gig, mm-hmm. a Philly gig, a gig out in Westchester somewhere. Let's let's start in the basement. Let's start yeah. in Mike's right. basement. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's practice. Yeah, let's yeah, get to that. Let's so start f- in the basement, folks. Check right. out the Crash of '64 EP. It's yeah. called Reading Ghost Notes. It's, yep. Just search Crash of, Crash of '64 on Spotify. Yeah. It's to this a, day, that's um. Uh, Track one on that, the month, month, day, day, uh, is Jackie's favorite thing I've ever been a part of. That's the only thing she yeah. gives me any credit for. She's like, that song's badass. <laughs> Everything else. It really is. Yeah, and I remember learning the riff to that song, and I was like, what the f- It, yeah, it took that, so that long. Cool. That was cool. I was really happy to have, like, but you, I mean, you dropped that, that lead line over this. Ill, But, like, mm-hmm. the arrangement-wise, that's the first one. I was like, oh, my God, that came out exactly how I wanted it arranged. Like, you know, there was no real, like, pulling teeth with it or anything. It was it yeah. was great. Then, that was a great era, but it was doomed to be short-lived, but it was a really good band yeah. while it lasted, for sure. And that's the only thing my dad ever gives me credit for, because yeah. <laughs> he just automatically says, like, ah, you know, like, I don't know why, but but that EP. Yeah, that was he, a good one. He yeah. loves it. Yeah, we, we, we really hit a stride there on that. Yeah. And the stuff we were writing after it was good, too, but it was just, like, it was doomed to... That unreleased yeah. EP, there's some jams yeah. on yeah, there. Yeah, we got a, I don't even have it. Do you have it on have MP3s? It. Yeah, I'd I love to hear that yeah. stuff. Uh, I'll send it to you. Yeah, But you. let's segue back into All Else Failed picking back up. Now, yeah. was this... This is Hardcore 2011? This is Hardcore 2011. And I remember you borrowed my guitar cabinet. I think so. For yeah, the gig. Right, right, right. So in, in, in my efforts to always insert myself into everything, like <laughs> I remember nudging my friend in the crowd and being like, that's that, my cat. That's man. my cat. This is happening because well, of me. We, um, so 2000 and let me think. Yeah, so 2011. So Joe had always basically, Joe Hardcore had always just been like whenever you guys want whenever you guys want and you know by the first like this is hardcore we were completely defunct and then so 2011 it moves over to the starland ballroom i think and um i don't know why we decided that we were just like yeah i think it's the time like there was no grand like oh i ran into this guy at this like and we fell in love it wasn't like we were all buddies still we all still hung out and talked all the time luke had moved to la by this point but by this point we were understanding that we could do music by code you know what i mean we the offer joe made a very nice offer that was like oh we can fly luke in this is a real deal you know this isn't like we're not gonna you know get crushed money wise like wow we can do this we decided that we wanted to do like we weren't just going to get back together and do a show we wanted to write because we had had at this point like four years worth of heavy riffs just backlogged you know and uh (laughs) so we got together with joe brown who you know was stoked to come play with us again and we wrote and at this point, we were much more on the same page with Joe. We were like, yeah, we're probably not touring. We're probably not doing anything like too crazy, but we want to do this record, and we're going to play some, you know, this is hardcore. And he was super on board with that. So we, I mean, I think from April, May, and June, we wrote those five songs, recorded them. Luke, Luke was home for a little bit and did some of the vocals here, did some of the vocals out in L.A. 
we pressed it and had it done and had it at This Is Harker. Like, we started again in April and we had the five-song EP at This Is Harker in July. I remember that. That was a classic comeback. There's some amazing... It's just it's just an amazing... Yeah. There's, like, good tracks on it. and yeah. uh, I think that's, like... Three of the songs are, like, my favorite. All, like, oh, yeah. I remember you showing me 10. an yeah. early version of the first track, and yeah. I was just like, whoa, yeah, that's it's happening. Yeah, yeah those ones, uh, that one came out really good, and that just, like, kickstarted us. And ever since then, we've just been sort of taking it as, like, a one project at a time. It's like, okay, what's the next thing? Which is a much more sane way to do a band at our age as opposed to, like, we have to keep going. Yeah. What's next? What's next? Not it's the like, grind of, yeah, like, yeah. daily. Now it's like, okay, we make a plan. We prepare for it. We do it. And then we chill, and then we make the next plan. You know what I mean? Like that's sort of like the way the band has been operating ever that's since. So then. that's such so. an awesome way to get it done now. Though. Yeah. And I think that like I always thought about like I'm like oh wait Luke lives in California I'm like how do I gonna do any of this shit? And it's like what you're saying really is is it's it's so much more of a help because you really are just like here's a singular thing we're doing exactly. Like, yeah. Let's work towards and you can that. Focus on it, and it's not like oh we're a band so we have to like do uh, like. We're doing these three comp tracks, and then we're going on tour for six weeks, and then we're—it's like no, 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 no. You're we're, we're making a plan. Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Like we pick and choose. Like right now, we have an offer that I think we're going to end up having to politely decline, but um, it's just coming up too soon, and I don't think we can make the dates happen, which is a shame because it, it, it's a, a really cool offer. But um, it's nothing like like that used to stress me out. Like being like we were so trajectory minded like oh we gotta go it's next thing it's big we gotta do it and we gotta do the next big thing always we gotta be the next big thing always like which is good like that ambition gets you places oh. when you're younger but it just but once that's gone out. and you're just like accepting yeah whatever's happening it's like you can just enjoy it yeah exactly exactly so like we're, we're hoping this coming july is our 25th anniversary Ooh, um, so we started 25 years ago on july 4th in my parents living room they were on vacation so I held band practices, and we got everybody together. And uh, it was the first time me, Sesso, Steve, and uh, Luke, and it was our buddy Dave was playing drums on that one. So 25 years ago, this July 4th. That's unbelievable. Um, oh. I don't think we're going to be able to make anything happen in July, but we, we might have, uh, like, my new plan. If we can't do the, the offer I was just referring to, we might do something in, like, September to, to, try, to, to try to do something for that. Now, post-2011, this is hardcore. I think mm -hmm. that's when things really started to – to build for you yeah, again, yeah. I should say. Totally. Because from, yeah. I noticed a change and I noticed like I would come see you no matter where you were playing or like what night of the week it was. <laughs> right, like, right. Tell us about like, I mean, I feel like things changed between a lot between 2011 and now. Do you feel that? Yeah. Like, I mean, we definitely feel, and this is no disrespect to Philadelphia, Philadelphia hardcore is like, you know, where we're born and, and raised but we never really felt uh, until 2011 like we were really a philly harker band because like as i mentioned those early years it wasn't easy and then the next thing you know we were like a national band you know quote unquote air quotes national band or doing national tours like we never had like that like with maybe the exception of that one year i was talking about where we were playing like lansdale every year and then we would occasionally play philly shows and but we were never like it was never like it is now like we would never like nowadays, if we book something, we're probably gonna, you know, do a two hundred capacity room or whatever, and it's gonna be great. And it sells like, out yeah, instantly. Yeah, like, it, it was never, never like that. So it feels like, and it's totally thanks to Joe and Sonny. You know, Joe just being that dude that was there back in the day and was like, I can't believe more kids don't get you. Like I remember him saying that to us. Like I don't know why more people don't get you. You know, like you, exactly. Yeah, you know? and um, so he always had gave us like the open door and when he started doing this as hardcore, he was always like, yeah, man, whenever you guys are back together, whenever you guys are ready to roll, hit me up. We'll, we'll do it. And, uh, he gave us like, always gave us great slots, great, 
you know, prime time slots. And so, I mean, Joe's as responsible for it as anybody, but also Sonny, just like starting to do what he does, which is just a whole different world and just such a cool, interesting thing that, that he, I won't, I don't want to say created, but just perfected. He perfected that yeah. medium. I, I love it because it's like, it's like the centerpiece for hardcore bands, like one of right. them. Like I discover so many bands through that and just, oh my God. you know, yeah, just to be able to go jump on there and see like yeah. what's going on. It's, I think yeah. it's great. So it, like the convergence of those two guys, you know, just deciding that it was like our time. We we're like, okay, cool. Well, yeah, we'll play again. And then we booked a show. Like we did a couple of dates with Boys That's Fire who were also getting back together around that time. And then like we did a show with Joe. Uh, let me think. Oh, um, I'm thinking it was the, uh, this is Hardcore After Party. We did an after show with like Zal. And I think this is 2014. Yes. Maybe. That was Zayo and, and uh, who else? Uh, it was someone else. So Zayo, all else failed. Uh, shit, there was. I, I think our buddies from Brooklyn opened at Tiger Flowers. Yeah, was the opener, and there was a third band who's escaping me right now. It was a great. I have a bunch of pictures from that night on my Instagram. But yeah. well, long story short, we were going up against a refused after party. Oh, and we were uh, like, oh my god, we're we're gonna get buried. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? No one's gonna come. But we sold out. We still sold out the Kung Fu Necta. I mean, obviously, that's beautiful. You know, 180 yeah. cap versus whatever it is refusal but it was cool to be like holy shit like philly kids but like really want to see us this is not like a you know it's like, not a fluke you know yeah. i feel like your shows especially now that i'm older have the like there's nothing i look forward to more than when keith goes like you know all's failed as fucking nice like, nice it's like church it, it like like yeah, yeah. i look for you know it's it's a release everyone just pummels each other but helps each other yeah. it's this communal like it's just you're like such going a good vibe you're like going yeah. through a com- experience together yeah i feel like we definitely have that like a communal vibe kind of thing going now which is cool um you know it's it's not not violent or it's not not physical but it's not like dangerous you no know what not I mean? anymore like, like, which i love not right, wait in a right. way it used to yeah. be like it'd be like oh god all right here it comes like yeah. right, right, right the cool right. part is is like i have been to probably i don't know maybe like six or seven over the last like five or six years mm-hmm. where like every time I go, I run into the same like dozen or so people. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a girl that's from Trenton, I think. Okay. That's like, she always has like Carhartt gear on. Oh yeah, yeah. And, I know. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, she, Katie. Yeah, she yeah. is the nicest yeah. person around. And every time I go to all also, she's there. Yeah. Without yes. fail, yeah, she's, she's there. there. Yeah. And I'm like, I've, I've hit her so many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've into her and she'll like yeah. look over at me and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. But people yeah. like help each other out and people yeah. aren't just crowd killing. It's no. like, yeah. it's very, no. yeah. it's very, very it's like you know it's not dangerous anymore which which i appreciate but i also feel that like a lot of people a lot of what makes it cool is that now we are like sort of of all of our eras you know what i mean it's like now it's like people get it that we like we could pull songs from any different era but it's all like this band you know what i mean yeah that's always been like a real special thing was was like getting it to this point has been special um not really necessarily the scale that we but we never really had like a clear vision we never really had like an end goal we were just like just keep going just keep going just keep going so for it to stop for a long time and then get to be able to do it again like after a five-year break and have it be much more like a a, not a linear but like a a a more relaxed pace Mm -hmm. where it's just like thing to thing to thing and like each time it's like oh wow it is getting like bigger now like how is that possible how do more people care about us now than it's the classic philadelphia story we were like living and dying with it and like like 
like when it was literally all we did, like we eat, slept, breathed, drank, all else failed from the time I was like, band started when I was 19 and until I was like 26 or 27, that, that was it. That's all I did was like for eight, nine years. And then, uh, and then it was gone. And now it's like back and it's better now that I don't not give a shit about it. But now that it's not like a huge like thing now that I think it made us all just look at it more rationally. Like yes. you can go insane when you're trying to do like a passion project. Oh yeah. You're trying to like, it's make not primary life. anymore. Yeah. It's now something yeah. that's like, this is something I, I, I legitimately love right. and I'm doing it with people. I really want to be right, right, right. Whereas, you know, we would be at each other's throats because if it's all you're living for, then if you feel that somebody's screwing it up in some way, you get irrationally pissed at them. And that's not, and I've been on the ass end of that. I've been the guy pissing. I've been, I'm sure I've been the guy pissing people off. Um, but to have it now where it's like somehow or another, we, that band needed to be less important to us. It, it was unhealthy that the band was as important to us as it was for, for that extended period of time. Right. So let's talk too about hold down the ocean. Yeah. Now hold down the ocean is another band with members of all else failed. Yep. I think it's everyone but Luke. And then you have another guitar player. Yep. So, it and, is. uh, it's a, it's like a. A shoegazy post rock thing, yeah. which is which is right up my alley. Talk. So, let, let's talk about how that came together. So, hold down the ocean is like my like real passion project right now. Not not that all, like we're passionate about everything we do, but like where my head is right now musically is more hold down the ocean, and um, that just came out of. Um, so recently, like after so we all fell got back together. We did the EP. 2014 or so we did a uh, two songs uh, a seven inch which is really good too i'm r- really happy with that um, that's cradles and graves cradles and graves that yeah. is phenomenal yeah. yes so, uh, those are two two of my favorites those are two of the favorites and and three of the five on uh on wouldn't wish which is the ep are probably like in my top five of my top 10 all's failed songs of all time so very underrated if you're listening to this as an old <laughs> all's failed fan that hasn't checked out the later era stuff get into it both are on spotify yes do it now yes um so we sort of hit a spot where like and then we did a song that was on a split that was just like from a leftover session but we just weren't writing as Oswald anymore we just sort of made the decision we're like okay let's not write anymore for at least the extended and we knew that Oswald was going to be like a once a year kind of thing maybe twice a year kind of thing but Steve and I you know we're a little more lifers and we're like let's let's keep something moving let's keep going let's do something different and um, he's really in, like more into what like the kind of stuff you're into, like the posty, like explosions in the sky, yes, Mogwai, Caspian, all that stuff. Like he, he's in that world, and I'm more into like the singer songwriter songwriter world of like Red House Painters, like the real like 4AD, like yeah, sad yeah. stuff. And um, we were each going to like start our own thing that we were each going to help, and we were like, eh, I just want to do a band <laughs> so uh oh, yeah why do i joe was already playing with steve so i they, they had one or two things worked out and i came in and and you know uh truthfully we may have asked davies but he lives in virginia and we, again we were trying to like broaden our horizons a little bit we were thinking right. of keeping a three-piece but i was like my man dan is all over like steve's he's in your guy's world he is just like a you know really like into tone and like Get, getting a good sound and mm-hmm. like, has the pedals that I don't have. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, there needs to be one guy with a couple pedals and then there needs to be the other guy with like all of yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he's like, so as we were starting and I, we didn't want to be a five piece. We knew that for sure. Yeah. 
I, I would never be. I wouldn't even know if I'd be in a four piece well, again. Well, but, Steve yeah. wanted to do like a three <laughs> uh, situation, but I was like, I can't sing and play. Trust me. Let me bring my man Dan out. You're going to get along with him great. So we brought Dan, and he's been there ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's been the four of us, and it's great. I, I love it. I mean, we're on a bit of a hiatus. Not really anybody's fault or anything, but we're like recording the All's Failed stuff when we went to Europe with Voice That's Fire. That sort of like put Ocean on hold. So we were recording before we left did that and now we're finishing recording so it's like we haven't actually played it feels like in eight months or whatever but mm-hmm. but it's still going yeah we're, we're going to um finish a record we're finishing actually an ep and an lp at the same time Ooh, yeah, so that'll be fancy how's that gonna work i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> but you're gonna have it at least. yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's almost happening. done I, I think uh we have like a handful of uh music sessions left just for like odds in it like keys and stuff and uh, I have to do vocals for two more songs, and then that'll be done. And I think we actually just booked the first show in a minute uh, in May. So that'll be the first show since, like, last summer. So, yeah, unfortunately, we're not. Are you allowed to no, say where it is yet? Uh, yeah, we're uh, 1984 in Delaware. I don't know if it's been announced yet, but I think it's a, it, it's a bar in Delaware near um, near Oddity Bar. Okay. Uh, North Wilmington area. Uh, cool place. They have retro video games. Nice. So you guys got to get up to New York too, yeah, man. man. Yeah, we got to do that. Definitely, yeah, there definitely. was the all else failed gig in uh, at St. Vitus. Yes. Now with uh, that was a sold out gig with uh, with Boys That's Boys Fire. That yeah. was a lot of fun, and that's how was it to play there? That's like somewhere I that's like on my bucket list yeah, to somehow that, play that one was, day. Cause... Um, that that lived up to the hype, man. Like anytime you hear of a hype venue like that, you're like, oh, they must be great. And we got up there and they couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have sounded better. It was, it was like, yeah, it's like, all right, there's a clear reason why this is the place to be, you know, most of the shows I go to end up being there. And I love that people want to play there too. Cause like, Whenever there's a big tour coming through, mm-hmm. the band will want to play yeah, there. That's where it's got to be. So I'll get to see the little show at St. Vitus. I yeah. live pretty close to it. Nice. And then, like, you know, if I want to go to the big show, yeah. <laughs> I can do no, that too. It's a, no, Vitus is the spot. <laughs> uh, so that, that weekend came about. Um, we really like rekindled a friendship with Boys That's Fire. I, those guys, we've been playing with them forever. They, they just had their 25 year anniversary. We're about to have ours. So. In the early days, we played together a lot, and then we just sort of went our separate ways into our separate worlds. But then they got, you know, obviously went through a lot of the same similar things that, that we went through and what all bands go through, and um, started getting back together right around the same time we did. And we ended up doing like a, we did a Delaware, Westchester, New York thing with them like five years. Life Once Lost was part of that. Um, like it was weird. We did like Delaware and Westchester with Boys Has Fire, mm-hmm. and oh, I remember that Westchester and New York with Life Once Lost. Yeah, I was at Westchester, and yeah. I was supposed to come to the New York show, but I had a I had a very uh, interesting night the night before. Oh, okay. <laughs> Doug, I lived with Doug from a Life Once Lost, and he 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 just assumed I didn't want to be woken up to the show, and maybe, maybe it was for the better. Yeah. Might have been for the yeah, better. Yeah, and uh, and um, I didn't end up going. But I did get to play ABC No Real once, which yeah, I'm glad, because that's ABC like a classic awesome. venue. Yeah, that was a classic. We loved, we had our, yeah. our, our buddy uh, Diami booked us there. Like yeah, that's who booked me there, too. seven times. Yeah. And yeah. Dude, he's, he's just fantastic. He booked us at Vitus, so he started booking over at Vitus now, oh. um, and he booked the Boy Sets Fire All's Failed thing from two years ago. Long story short, we just, late, it's weird to be late and late, like, I'm sure people are like, oh, All's Fail and Boys Has Fire, they've been boys forever. It's like, I mean, yes and no, yes, but like we really just sort of rekindled it, you know, within the past like four or five years. And coincidentally, uh, their bass player lives in Westchester and is now like one of my best friends. Like it just, you know, met him 
totally random. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm in Boys Sets. Because they had a few different bass players. Um, but their current bass player and uh, a guy that, that goes out with him on every tour does a – it's a Chad's Guitar Tech. Gene is, like, my best friend. So it's like every weekend we're in Westchester, like, when's the next Boys Sets Fire All's Fail thing? He's like, yeah. I don't know, man. You tell me. He's like, I'll text him right now. It's like, all right, do it. Let's go. <laughs> what are we doing? I so, still fantasize. Yeah. I'm like, I should just move – back to philly and like get in with those guys and like we will play music we and... will start something yes <laughs> no uh, i nice. if there's ever an opening for like hype man or fog machine nah. guy in in all's fail well, yeah well uh just i'm gonna slide my resume in we're back up to six in all's failed with mike so mike joined just sort of super organically because in that time frame i was telling you when we when we got first got back together and decided to do the ep in 2011 uh, prior to this is hardcore, we didn't have a place to play, and we didn't know, and no studio, no nothing. We didn't know who was going to play drums for us. We right. Um, so we just asked Mike if we could borrow the basement, and Joe Brown came up, and me, Steve, and Joe Brown. And that's where we wrote track one off of that. So Mike was like, "Dude, this is my basement. Is this is what it's here for, man? Everybody plays down here. Just play." Yeah. So all his fans started playing there, and then you know few beers deep mike could come down and like sing a song <laughs> we're like, it's like hey mike could you like do this like sample part while we work this out and then you would do that and they were like uh mike you coming to the show right <laughs> mind being like on stage like and just like you know like hand luke the acoustic guitar when like all, all good things is there and it's like mike do you want to just play the acoustic guitar part of so it was like super super uh organic but now it's like dude he's he's as in the band as anybody right now and you know, i love that because you, know? you know just getting to play with him was awesome and seeing him in there now i'm like oh the family is all together yeah like, it's good i it's, love it and that's how it is it's like you said the right word it's it, like we feel like we're a touring family you know what i mean and, and it's like when we toured uh europe i mean that was just on such a crazy level of something those shows was, looked huge yeah they were insane boy sets fire is honestly like jimmy world over there it's unbelievable oh what were and the it, how was like your reception over there uh it was mixed uh, <laughs> some people were a little surprised we, we got a lot of really nice positive words said yeah. about us um i feel like the boy sets fire guys loved us because it was like kind of showing their crowd where they came from a little bit yeah. you yes. know what i mean that but i don't necessarily know that everybody got it and, but we did well i mean we sold well we like People said nice things, but there were times you'd look up and be like, "Oh, we're killing it," and you look, and it's just like blank yeah. stares. <laughs> You're like, "Oh, how are they not feeling this?" It's to so remind good. you of yeah. the old days. Yeah, yeah, for to sure. Keep, to for keep sure. you in line. Yeah, but but I mean, like, there was never a point. The point of it was like it was a crazy whirlwind experience, and it was done with like eight guys in a very small Sprinter van. There That's was, incredible. Yeah. yeah, and no one, like, to my knowledge, no one fought or any like. There was no you know no nothing no drama whatsoever uh it was all love and you know it was there was a lot of points just driving through you're like can you fucking believe we're doing this like we finally got over here you know after all these years 25, <laughs> 25 years, years yeah deep. that was one of because i remember you talking about that potential tour back in mm -hmm. like 2011 oh yeah yeah well we got offered it uh so they do a fest over there and they've basically given us the open invite and um like th two or three years ago they were like so they just go over and do the fest and come home. But two or three years ago, they were like, no, like for our 25th, we're going to actually do a tour and you guys should come and do that. So we've been like planning, actually planning it. Like we've been talking about going over there with them forever, but the actual planning for this one was like two years long. And, you know, it seems weird to plan two years for eight shows, but it was worth it. It was definitely, uh, it was unbelievable. Absolutely. And Hold Down the Ocean had a big tour with... Uh... Yeah, we went out with Me Without You. Um, it was like the same week a year prior and I love those guys so much. I'm sad to see they're breaking up me without you. Yeah. I mean, those guys are our, our 
soul from the old Upper Darby days, man. Like I remember going. It's funny as I was coming down here. So I, I live in Drexel Hill, which is part of Upper Darby, and every time I come down to Philadelphia, I always like to swing by my parents' house and. My dad drives me to the 69th Street Terminal so I can take the L in. Nice. Because I do loathe parking down here. But uh, Yeah, parking yeah. around <laughs> here is very expensive yeah. and difficult. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and it also gives me a good 20 minutes to catch up with my pops. And you know, I think they love to do it because they love to feel like they're helping me out, which they are. It's a, it's a genuine thing. So, um, But taking the L in, it was just like, as my dad would drive me, he like kind of whipped around the speakeasy and uh, – Sound Under, which is like where we used to practice, and Speakeasy was around the corner where we played all of our first shows. And right across the street from that was like the church where the Me Without You guys like first like started playing. Like I think as that unit, but we knew them from like the Speakeasy too. So it was like they, what they took, and there, I think there was always like some weird. It was never resentment, but just like wow, like we just didn't get it. We we're like, yeah, th- those guys are good, but like why? 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 And then exactly, like, yeah. and then. I guess it was maybe two or three records ago. They did a a song called oh, it was called um, uh, Red Cow, mm-hmm. and it I was just like holy shit! Like, and then I revisited the old stuff. I was like, I'm an idiot. How did I not? Get it? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> some what? bands just take a while for yeah. you to like for it to click. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was never like it was never out of any like jealousy or resentment or yeah. anger. But I was just like, man, I'm like, it's cool, but what? I'm not sure. And then I then once it clicked, I was like, jeez. Yeah. So at the Nick benefit, the the where we were playing, uh, yes. was playing, yeah. we, uh, Mike was playing with "I Hate You," and we yes. just like hit it off for a minute, and then um, I just messaged him a few weeks later as they were setting up the tour for what sadly is going to be, I guess, their last record, which is a bummer. Um, yeah, I heard a yeah. song off that record, and it was oh, it was like right up my alley. Unbelievable! The, like yeah. the hum, in, yeah, like uh, Julia. It's yeah. Called, oh my god, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, they're they're so criminally underrated now. Like. Now that I've gone back and done a deep dive, now I'm the other way. I'm like, they should have been 10 times bigger than they were. It's unbelievable how good they are. Yes. And uh, Aaron is just so enigmatic. Mike is just an absolute pro. The whole band. Greg is like my favorite dude to, to like just hang. Like touring with those guys was such a pleasure. Just to see like Greg at the venue every day would just like, I don't know, I would just start laughing and smiling and be like, yo, what's up, dude? Like, he's <laughs> such a positive dude. There's, they're also positive, but it's not like, I don't know if you've, you don't you, you don't even get the slightest hint that it's that fake positivity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. It's all just like they're just like, genuine. My God, these guys are so genuinely nice and cool, and they're such an unbelievably good band. It's like I was so bummed when I heard when they made the announcement that, that I think this is I think they have like two tours left, and then they're going to wrap it up. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's really it's a shame because you know they're they're Upper Darby, born and bred, man. That's, yeah. That's it. yeah, that's your that's your that's, hood. That's our hood. Doylestown. That's it. That's it. Doyle's- <laughs> Doylestown, Upper Darby. The yeah. running theme. Yeah, but, um, if it's not Upper Darby, it's Doylestown. Yeah. So hold down the ocean. We can look forward to an, an LP and, and an, an EP. EP. Yep. We don't know in what order. Um, or do we? Possibly the EP first and then the LP like a week later. They're, they're sort of tied in. They wow. have similar names. I, I don't want to give it all away. But, uh, Yo, yeah, don't. Yeah. Um, now, that's, that's a question I meant to ask. Is there like – has there ever been a theme to – an all else failed record, or like, do you kind of take it song by song? Um, way more song by song because, like, I'll I'll write some of them. And Luke write will write some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this never happened. Had sort of a very very loose theme, but it wasn't anything we stuck to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's songs that aren't in the same theme. Yeah. The ocean stuff 
coming up is like the EP is a straight up concept EP, like all five songs like mm -hmm. tell a story, um, which is something new for for me. I've never really worked like that before, so that that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, that was a first for me. Well, I, Basement Year is the first time I fronted a band and wrote mm -hmm. every almost everything and. It just ended up being the story of me getting my life together. Yeah, like because yeah. uh, that definitely came through. I, definitely, I used to be yeah. crazy. Yeah, uh, and and <laughs> get high and drunk all the time, and I had to I had to get away from that, and it just kind of ended up being the story of that. Yeah, of that time, and uh, you no, know, I definitely felt that for sure. I was that came through in 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 the tracks I heard, and you know, I hope you get to flesh it out. Are you going to keep going with that project? Well, or? well, we Tommy is going to play bass for the band. Okay. I want to continue as a three piece. And I, uh, Paul said he's going to do it. Okay, cool. He he doesn't know this, but we're going to call him live on the show. <laughs> nice. And ask, right now, and ask him if he wants to. If so, he wants to. Sounds good. <laughs> still be in the band. Uh, so, what is next for All Else Failed? For All Else Failed, next we, we um, really to be determined. We have like an offer for for a weekend of shows that unfortunately I, I think we're going to have to pass on. Um, that that would have been pretty pretty cool, but it, it would have been like a cool DC, Philly, New York, Boston run, which is something we want to do. You know, despite it not working out on this run, I think we're going to try to do something like that maybe in in the fall uh, around our 25 year. So the, the great thing is, like I mentioned before, we take it sort of like segment to segment or, or you know project to project. So we have like a list of projects we want to do. We just don't know what order we're going to get to them and when we're going to. Um, we we sort of had a, a, an offer for Japan that kind of like was like whoa that would be cool we definitely want to go to the west coast again uh, to you know make it Luke's life a little easier <laughs> yeah. and do shows over there um, so there's like things like that we, we don't really have anything concrete we just sort of have this like loose idea of the handful of things we want to do with however many years we have left you know we don't put uh, finite things like I was joking about how yeah. we, we don't do that anymore but realistically we're all like in our early 40s at this point I'm, I'm about to turn 44 well mm -hmm. Luke Steve and I are all born within a, a month or two of each other so we're all about to turn 44 and um, yeah so we figure we have a, probably a good six or seven years left before it might start to be a little too painful um, <laughs> those those shows seem to take a lot out, yeah. of, out of everybody I think. yeah <laughs> and uh well, you know, six or seven years, that's like, what, ten more things? So yeah. It's like, uh, it's new releases, maybe? Um, huh? We, I think there's nothing planned at all, and there's not, like, pretty much most of my writing goes into Ocean, but I would be surprised if we never did another All's Fail song. I would, I would have to think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some riffs that jump out at some point, point. you'll be like, all right, I, I need to, let me get Brown on the phone here and get some drums on this, <laughs> or, or something like, you know, I mean, that's, Nothing at all planned, but I would be stunned if if there's never another All's Failed song written. All right. Well, we look forward to that. Well, Pat, I just want to thank you for coming by. And, Man, and no thank problem. You, so thank you know, you so like much. All Else Failed shows, like we were mentioning before, are just so important to us. It's the only band I go off for like that. Nice. Like yeah. stage diving and yelling and just going crazy like that. And, you know, it's just like it's an experience like no other. And as long as I'm physically able... And I can do it. I'll be down here to attend them, and hopefully, that's, there's more in New York and West Coast. That's so right. I think there will be, and you know, we're gonna keep doing it as long as we can. And I thank you guys, and I thank you know everybody in Philadelphia that was ever you know it. it I think I made a m mention once to uh, Sonny or somebody. I was like, you know, we always sort of wonder. I was like, well, you know, why don't more people outside of Philadelphia get it? But then, uh, like later in life, I sort of 
cherish the role of being like Philadelphia's like secret handshake kind of thing, you know? Like, yeah. You know, that's sort of what we are in a lot of ways. Like, I kind of like that if you don't get it, you don't get it. If you get it, you're, you're there and you're into it. So that's kind of where, like, the groove we've fallen into, and I'm cool with it. So. All I was, right. was going to say, I've met people before where, like, I have the Route 1 pin on my backpack at school. Yeah. And then we had a teacher come in, and they were, like, doing an interview. And they were like, Route 1. Yo, is that from Las Vegas? <laughs> that's awesome. Hire this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we definitely have that, like, little club. And every now and again, I'll get somebody to be like, did you see the rules of attraction <laughs> with that bumper sticker? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, do you think anybody outside of Philadelphia has any idea what that means? Probably not, but it's cool. It's cool. Um, well, yeah, we're, we're sort of, uh, you know, we're at peace with that being our role in, you know, this little corner of our little subculture. You know what I mean? Like, we're that Philadelphia band, and that that's it. That, I'm cool with it. It's a big role to me and many others. So we thank you again for being here. And folks, check them out on... Spotify, they've got releases up there. They've got everything up on Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Do you have well, yeah. something in there so people can throw you a couple bucks? Too? Um, Bandcamp, yeah. Uh, I think both uh, Hold Down the Ocean and All Is Failed, both, uh, I believe, can uh, the downloads. Or at least uh, order a shirt yeah, or a record I, all, or something. All of the music is uh, downloadable. Actually, I would go to Bandcamp because uh, our best record, This Never Happens, is not on Spotify. So yes. Mm-hmm. The best stuff. Is not on Spotify. Yeah, so well, good go enough for the goal, girls we roll with is up is there. On but, Spotify, yeah. but everything is on Bandcamp, so yes. go check it out. All right, that's thank it. you, and that's it. Thanks, Keith. There you have it, folks. The Pat Shannon interview. That was a great one, and that is the third episode of the Northeast Scene podcast. Uh, once again, follow us on Instagram, the NE Scene on Instagram. Reach out to us through email. Northeast scene at gmail.com. That's northeast scene at gmail.com. Share your stories with us, your experiences. Talk about the venue in your town, the bands in your town, tours where you were on. We want to hear from you. We want to share your stories as well. Also, like us on Instagram, like us on iTunes and Spotify. Give us five stars, comment on the podcast. It all goes a long way. So, thanks again for joining us, and until next time. Oh!